You're listening to the BCHL Podcast, the official podcast of the BCHL. Into the goal, he scores! He scores! And they just win by four! Driving to the net, he scores! From his backhand to his forehand, a shorthanded breakaway. Right in, scores! Shoots his one, third hand, Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Scores! Ozar wins it! Overtime winner! Now, here's your host, Jesse Adamson. Hey there, welcome to the BCHL Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. Well, BCHL fans, believe it or not, the 2020-21 pod season has come to an end. On Tuesday night, Alberni and Nanaimo wrapped up the pod season in fine fashion with an exciting 5-4 shootout game. And that officially puts a wrap on what was a challenging and unique season for everyone involved. Uh, But safe to say, everyone is very grateful that the league got to finish off a season, uh, even if it was in strange circumstances. In total, the pod season lasted nearly six weeks and consisted of 160 total games. Although there were no playoffs, uh, we still crowned a champion for each pod. And those champions were the Victoria Grizzlies, who took the Alberni pod, the Prince George Spruce Kings, who took home the Chilliwack pod, the Surrey Eagles, who finished first in Coquitlam, the Penticton Vs, who finished first in their host city, and the Vernon Vipers, who also finished first in their home city. There are plenty of people to thank and recognize for all the work they did to make sure this pod season came together. First and foremost, the players and team staff who sacrificed so much and were so disciplined throughout the six weeks. Uh, There was arena staff, volunteers, uh, staff with the host teams, league office staff, ownership and governors. From top to bottom, everybody did their best to make sure we had this six-week season. And I think it paid off in the end. With all of that in mind, we have three interviews today to recap this pod season. Our first interview is with BCHL Executive Director Stephen Cocker. We also speak with Victoria Grizzlies head coach Craig Didman. And we wrap it up with the most recent BCHL Player of the Week, West Kelowna Warriors forward Marcus Joggin. Before we get to our first interview, though, I want to tell you that the BCHL podcast is presented by Fortis BC. Fortis BC is a longtime partner of the BCHL, and we thank them for their continued support of the league. All right, let's get to our first interview, BCHL Executive Director Stephen Cocker. Cocker was one of the main people behind the scenes at the league office putting in work to get the BCHL back on the ice, so he seemed like the perfect person to talk to to wrap up this pod season. We talk about what it was like to actually get the players back on the ice, the pod season itself once the puck dropped, and look ahead to next year, which is the 2020-21 season and also happens to be the league's 60th anniversary. All right. The first thing I'll, I'll ask you is now that the season is officially over, uh, what's the feeling like at the league office knowing that you, you got through the entire thing with no cancellations or anything like that? There's there's an entire, um, you know, obviously a, a ton of work that went went on behind the scenes. And this went on for such a long period of time. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's it's a sense of relief. It's a sense of relief for our players or our return to play task force who spent um, hours and hours going through different, different um, scenarios this past year. 
but ultimately, it, it like I said, it's relief for the players. We gave them an opportunity to showcase themselves to NHL scouts, to NCAA coaches, and that's what we did it for. Um, so, so I, I think everyone in the league is is happy we were able to to do this, and and certainly our athletes in the BCHL um, were able to. We're able to get some games in, which, which a lot of athletes across the country weren't able to do this year. So um, we're definitely happy with with how the the season played out. What does it say about the league, the teams, the players that uh, the league was able to pull this off without any major issues? It speaks volumes um, for for us as a league being leaders in in the return to play, in the return to sport across the country and and across uh, British Columbia. I, I know we proved to the provincial health office that under the right safety measures, hockey can return and and sports can return. And I think it says a lot. Um, it speaks volumes to our owners. Our owners made an investment that you know they wanted to do what it takes to get a season in for our players, and and we did that. Um, so yeah, ultimately I think the BCHL will be looked at as, as leaders in, in getting sports back, back to the playing field. So you don't necessarily work directly with players. I know a lot of your work is done with the coaches and and stuff like that, but, um, have you heard any reactions from the players, maybe secondhand, um, on, on how they felt about getting the chance to play this shortened season? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have heard a lot, a lot from the coaches, as you said, and, and the governors and the players have been thrilled. I know a lot of comments come back to um, the, the time flew by, like the from September to um, December, January, it the day by day for the players was just so repetitive. And it was, you know, go to the rink, practice and, and go home. And it felt like that. Uh, you know, just extended forever. It, it took a long time for the players. And I think the five weeks, the six weeks that of the pod season uh, flew by. I, I'm sure a lot of the players would have liked it to extend further, but they understand uh, that, you know, they, they were able to get this opportunity. And uh, I think they're, they're ultimately very, very happy with it. You mentioned earlier about all the, the work it took kind of behind the scenes at each of the pod locations to make sure uh, games were played in a safe environment. What can you say about the, the host teams, the team staff, arena staff, volunteers who, who made all this happen? They, everyone did a phenomenal job from, you know, in our return to play plan, we have an event access, which is group one, group two, group three, uh, you know, that that might uh, for the listeners that won't mean a lot but um, each member of those groups had specific uh, restrictions as to who they can they can um, connect with and contact and who they can't and I think everyone I mean without with not having a single transmission of, of COVID-19 in our pod um, it speaks volumes to how how well the job those people did and I think a massive shout out needs to go to the billet families I mean we had 12 12 of our 16 teams in billets uh, and, and for them to put themselves in a tough situation like that in a year in, in a COVID pandemic um, you know, we can't say enough about what, what the billet families did this year. And obviously they paid close attention to the protocols too. Um, so, and another shout out I'd like to give is to our compliance officers. Those were independent bodies who, who did a lot of behind the scenes work and making sure our teams were adhering to protocols and not acting as police necessarily, but educating everyone. You know, if they saw something that maybe 
cross the line, they would go and educate as to what needs to take place and how um, how to correct what they're doing. So a lot of people involved. Uh, I I think this podcast would go on for hours if we went through each individual <laughs> position and, and person that, that made this happen. But um, everyone was pulling in the same direction. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about all the work off the ice uh, that made the pod season happen. But uh, what about on the ice? What did you think of the the on ice product from what you saw and how did it match up to a, a typical BCHL season? Yeah, I don't think we lost um, a lot of speed. I, the games from what I was watching and I went to to a few pod games as well. Um, they were fast. I, I think the the product and the, and the speed of the game was there. Um it, it certainly, we did, we did lose, um, you know, we lost some players over, over around the Christmas break. They did go, um, south of the border to, to find other opportunities to play, but the player, but that gave opportunities for players maybe down the lineup to step up and, and to be put in a role where maybe they wouldn't have been in if those players were still in the league. So, uh, I, I, th- I think it was, it was a good year. I, I, there was great talent. Um, we're seeing that from the interest of NHL scouts that, that I've, I've talked to and NCAA coaches as well. Um, there, there's obviously a lot of eyes on the league. So I think, I think the league league was good. Yeah. That leads me into my next question. And you've mentioned it a couple of times and I know the, the league has stated it in the past that the main goal of this pod season was to get that exposure for players to, to pro scouts and NCAA coaches. So how do you think that ultimately went? I think it went very well. Uh, that, like you said, that was the ultimate goal of this. The ultimate goal wasn't, and you can see, uh, what, you know, the, the time for having a playoffs just didn't, it, it didn't allow us to, to have a playoffs this year, but that, that wasn't the ultimate goal this year. Once we got pushed into January and February, we started looking at, we just need to get these, these players on the ice. We need to give them the opportunity to showcase themselves and, and I know, you know, we've received when we first announced the, the pod season, I did receive, um, some texts and some calls from, uh, some scouts and NCAA coaches with thank you. <laughs> so, so they get an opportunity to see these players, uh, especially those 20 year olds in their last year. Um, and like, like I, I always said, this was the reason our return to play task force, uh, work so you know how I can't I can't even count how many calls we were on through over the past the past year and um, them taking out time from their evenings and and days to go through plans that would get us back on the ice and obviously the league office never stopped working. So just taking a step back here, when you look back at the past year plus, maybe starting from when the playoffs, the 2020 playoffs got shut, shut down in March, uh, what's the entire experience been like trying to get back on the ice and then eventually getting back, but, but trying to safely play hockey games in the, in the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah, it was definitely eye opening. Uh, we know there was a period of time when we had to put hockey to the back burner. Uh, it was a scary time for a lot of people in in the world, in British Columbia, in our communities. And, and we knew there was a time where hockey just, you know, it's, it's not an important issue at that time. Uh, but then once we started, we, we know the province was getting a hold of the virus, uh, through, through kind of the, you know, the November, December, January, February, we started going hard at how do we get our players on the ice in a safe, in a safe manner. Um, and, and ultimately we, we were, able, we were able to do that. Uh, but certainly the past 14 months or 12, you know, 12 plus months have been 
extremely eye-opening uh, from a hockey perspective from um, you know more importantly just an everyday citizen um, and and it was a very long 12 months as I'm sure it was for, for a lot of members of, of the community and, and the hockey world. So obviously the the work never stops uh, around the BCHL now that the season's over uh, questions start about next year so uh, what's next for the BCHL now that the season is over? Yeah, so um, throughout the pandemic, our league didn't take our foot off the gas. I mean, we still had, yes, we had a return to play task force uh, calls going on, you know, on all cylinders, trying to find a way to return to the ice. But we continue to operate our, our committees in the league. We continue to talk about what we want to do with our strategic plan and getting our league better and, and you know, ensuring a bright future for the league as we exit the pandemic. So, um, the league has been been working hard on on future, you know, what what is in the future of the league. And, you know, talking about next year, we're super excited. And, and, and you'll know um, a lot about this, Jesse, because you're, you know, leading the charge with Jake, the 60th anniversary. This is going to be a special year for us as a league. Uh, we have some some uh, great initiatives and events that we're looking to uh, to bring to to next season. Uh, but but also we'll be looking at a going back to our 54 game season. We're already working on a schedule for that planning. The plan is all 18 teams will, will be back in action and, and we're excited uh, to have everybody, the entire BCHL family back. And, and I did do want to shout out the, you know, the Cranbrook Bucks because this certainly I'm, I'm guessing wasn't the, um, the, the, you know, inaugural season they were, they were hoping for, um, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting a trip to Cranbrook and, and getting to, to, you know, to see their fans and getting to watch a game in person. I think they, um, you know, they stuck through, through a pretty tough year and I'm looking forward to, to actually get to a normal year where they can showcase what a great city and what a great building, um, they have. Yeah. I think everybody agrees there and is, uh, anxiously waiting for that first home game with fans for the bucks. It'll be a pretty special experience. Uh, last question for you. Um, again, kind of building off the, the last answer there, looking ahead to next year. Uh, we, we all hope that, that we're in a much better place come the fall, um, with the, the COVID-19 situation, but giving the unpredictability of it, um, what does pulling off this successful pod season, what does that experience do for the BCHL next year? Yeah, I think we we touched on it a bit earlier in the call is, um, you know, it's a huge builder of trust and a reputation with the provincial health office, which which we never had a a relationship with them. We've we've never needed a a relationship with them. But in working through this pandemic, we've shown who the BCHL is um, and and how we can be the leaders in return to sport through a, a pandemic and how we can do it in a safe manner. I mean, you know, it we've gone through 2000 plus tests this year, uh, didn't have a single athlete that tested positive. Obviously, our protocols were working. Um, so I think we've built up that reputation and I think it will serve us uh, greatly next year. Uh, and like you said, hopefully there's not much we ha- we do have to deal with. But if we do. I think uh, the provincial health office will be quite pleased to to work with us and and maybe even use us as kind of a, a testing ground for further return to to hockey next year and and the return to fans in the buildings. 
All right, Stephen. Well, that's all I got for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Uh, congrats on on pulling off the pod season and excited to see what's next for the league. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Stephen Cocker for joining the podcast. Moving on to our second interview, we speak with Victoria Grizzlies head coach, Craig Didman. Didman first came on with the Grizzlies back in the 2007 season, so he's quite familiar with the team and with the league. His Grizzlies team won a couple of huge games this weekend over the Alberni Valley Bulldogs to clinch first place on the Island Pod. So we caught up with him to talk about that and much, much more. This interview is actually done by our intern Sheldon Lee, who's still helping out the league for a couple more weeks. So uh, you will get a break from my voice and hear Sheldon Lee with his interview with Craig Didman right now. Congratulations on a terrific season with the Grizzlies this year. I guess that's where we'll start. Uh, your club won the final two games of the year over Alberni Valley, clinching the Port Alberni pod. Just give me a quick rundown of how you felt the season went and maybe give me a glimpse into your locker room after the final win of the year. Yeah, no, it was, it was certainly, uh, you know, uh, a grueling schedule and, and, you know, four good teams. Our, our pod was strong and obviously teams got to know each other well. So it was, it was very competitive and obviously, um, you know, having the, uh, the group we had and, and getting the job done at the end, it was very rewarding. And, um, you know, they got to win their last game and, and in that they clinched the pod. And so it felt, uh, you know, it was special for the guys and, um, you know, especially six 20 year olds, uh, you know, they relished the moment and, uh, you know, basically it was, it was a wonderful experience for them. And, and I was extremely happy, you know, despite it, such a tough year, it was great ending. Uh, your team had no shortage of offensive firepower this year. The Grizzlies finished second in the league with 93 goals four, and you had four players finish at a point per game or better. What made your players so effective at putting the puck in the back of the net this year? Well, I think, you know, in the time that we were not playing and, and practicing, um, the boys made the best of those opportunities to get better. And uh, you really saw that, and you know, we worked hard and, uh, you know, didn't take a day off. And, you know, despite not playing games, you saw player development. So, you know, they got to take that to the ice and, um, you know, they showed their worth and, you know, certainly they're, a lot of great hockey players on that team, and uh, and they showed that. Do you feel like your coaching style may invoke a little bit more of uh, an offensive-minded approach? Um, you know, it, it certainly comes and goes. But uh, you know, when you when you train kids, and you know, through a season where you don't play games and you're spending lots of time on skill development, uh, you know, we do play a, a style of game that involves all players on offense, and I think it is a part of why we're um, you know scoring a lot of goals and um you know we certainly love the offensive part of the game we look after our defensive spots and positioning and uh but uh you know i think offense feeds off of offense and you know guys were having great seasons and and other guys just followed suit uh this year you guys added ellis rickwood who um as a rookie managed to put up 30 points in 20 games. Can you give me a rundown of the type of player he is and what kind of an effect his presence had on your team this season? Yeah. I mean, he came in and, and, and was a sniper from the start. And, and then as the season, you know, rounded out, you saw what a, 
you know, well-rounded player. He, he is, you know, he, he's very good defensively and he's, uh, you know, he can make great plays and passes and, um, but has some offensive uh, dynamic parts to his game. And, you know, he's getting the attention of the NHL. He obviously has choices for uh, NCAA scholarships. So, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, a player that was, you know, five, seven, three or four years ago. And now he's, you know, he's hitting on six, two. So he's, he's suddenly a big player uh, with, uh, you know, with all the skills of a little man. Um, so you see that out there and, and certainly, uh, you know, emerging player. And I, I think he's got a bright future. Uh, you yourself played a couple seasons for the Victoria Warriors of the BCJHL some time ago. Can you tell me how the league has changed from your perspective uh, in the 20 years since you laced them up? Well, it's certainly a younger league. I mean, back then there was no 20-year-old rule. Some of those years I was in the league. So, um, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, the 19 and 20-year-olds were the dominant age group. Um, you know, I, I do think now we, we've moved into more of a development league um, and put more emphasis on on um, directing players to NCAA hockey and and you know universities in Canada as well. So I think there's you know probably the development side of it. I think um, you know it's not a place where players go and end their careers as far as the CHL goes anymore. You know it's guys that are looking to to get NHL attention and 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 have a backup plan with school. So. I think the skill set and, and the exposure, um, you know, has risen uh, greatly through the last number of years, you know, since I played to, to now. So it's come a long ways. And certainly I think it, it has a much more um, focus from, you know, the NHL and NCAA now. Uh, I know that you, you wear a couple different hats with your organization. Um how how differently do you see the game from behind the bench as a coach or as a GM as opposed to being on the ice? Um, well, you know, funny. I mean, I, I spent a couple of years with Jeff Cortnell, and he was obviously a player for you know twenty years in the NHL, and mm-hmm. I think I learned a lot from him from you know how he did see the game on the ice, uh, you know, versus the bench. So um, there is that that contrast. Um, but certainly, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm always kind of in the heartbeat of the players and, and feeding off of them. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's not, this is what we do. What do you think we should do? Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's part and parcel. I think I know the game's played on the ice and, and as a coach, when things are running well, you, you, you just, you're there for facilitation and, and you let the, the guys that are on the ice that know, you know, what, what play to make at this time and know, what to do, you leave it to them. So it's, it's kind of a real, you know, nice uh, contrast between the two. Uh, you guys had a lot of success in 2019. The Grizzlies had three players drafted in the NHL draft that year. Alex Newhook in the first, Alexander Campbell in the third, and Carter Berger in the fourth. Um, what was it about that year that was so special? And maybe just touch on Newhook a bit, who's already put up three points in his first four games with the Avalanche. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you, you kind of, with Newhook, he was kind of the, the root of that. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, there's a reason why he's doing what he's doing in the NHL now. I, he, you know, he was a professional from the minute he woke up to the minute he went to bed. And and I thought, I think, you know, a guy like Carter Berger got to spend two years with him, battling him on the ice, watching his routines off the ice, learning. And, uh, you know, so I think he rose that group and, you uh, 
you know, guys said, you know, realize they're playing against Sir Paxton, against a, you know, world-class player. And, hey, I'm right there with them. And, and I think, you know, he was the beginning of that and was a huge part for those guys. And, and you know, kudos to, to Campbell and Berger as well because they took the challenge and, uh, you know, and Rose and both those guys have bright futures as well. We're, we're really happy for Alex, um, you know, watching him in the NHL, every shift, he, he just seems more and more comfortable and, you know, he's going to have a great career there and he, you know, he's an incredible leader. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to be a big part of that organization. Um, from the research I've done, I, I noticed you were born in Victoria, you played in Victoria, you now coach in Victoria and outside of one year in Cowichan as a player, a majority, if not all of your life, has been spent in our province's capital. Uh, how special is it to you to have had those opportunities so close to home? And when it came to coaching and or GMing, was it always kind of Victoria or bust for you? Well, you know, I certainly have spent a lot of time here. And great, Victoria is a great place. And, uh, you know, my roots are here. My family's here. Um, you know, so certainly it was always, you know, it, it could somewhat yes i mean you know the opportunities you, you never know what arise but certainly the fact that i've i've got to live and uh, work in victoria and and to be in hockey and obviously there's not a million opportunities in hockey in victoria so to to have the job i have and you know it's just a, it's it's a great reward every day and um you know certainly it's nice to to be doing it around friends and family and you know extended family are big fans so it's uh, it's it's been great and and uh, you know very, feel very fortunate to get to live in a great city like Victoria. Uh, just a, another couple questions here to end this on um, on Matthew Wood, who just finished his first season with the club. He tallied 13 points in 18 games. Um, can you just give me your impressions on the young man after his after his first year with the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean he's got uh, you know first of all you know kudos to him to come in and and play, you know, 20 games and or 18 games and, uh, you know, come out of it unscathed in some capacity. And he was a big part of a lot of the games. So, um, you know, very brave to go in there and some tough nights physically and just handle himself real well. I think, you know, his skill set is exceptional and um, he has all the tools, um, you know, as far as size and ability and as well as, you know, the mental edge off the ice to, to be a, you know, a 24 uh, seven, you know, um, focused individual. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're really excited about him. We're going to, you know, work him in like we, we did this year. And um, it was fortunate that he got to play being an underage, but with the way the season went, uh, you know, he was eligible. So he got a head start on his 16 year old year. And I think he's going to show, you know, turn a lot of heads in the next couple of seasons and, you know, just show what, why the BCHL is such a great uh, development league. On on that underage um, aspect that you just brought up, do you find that you have to treat a player like Matthew a little bit differently because of his age, because of that situation? Or do you uh, does it involve taking a different approach or is it just kind of status quo? You know, he is the same as everyone else type thing. Yeah, well, you know, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's different parts. I think our veteran group really brought him in well treated him you know with a ton of respect and and helped him you know with confidence they recognize that he's got some special qualities and 
you know, so I think that part helped out. And obviously, you know, moving them in, you know, my biggest concern was, you know, adapting to the defensive side of the game. And you didn't want to put him in situations that, you know, he would, you know, hurt his teammates in some capacity. So, you know, his ice time increased slowly. And, and you know, once he received a regular shift, that's when all those points came out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there was a process, not much different. I think, um, you know, he was just happy to be on the bench and get an opportunity and, you know, all the extra ice he ended up getting, um, you know, and obviously the offense he created was just from his hard work and perseverance. Perfect, Craig. I think I am all finished. That was awesome. You were nice and thorough and made my job very easy. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate it. You guys do a great job. Continue that. Thank you. Big thanks to Craig Didman for joining us and congratulations to him and his team on their Alberni Pod Championship. And thank you to Sheldon Lee for providing the interview. Moving on to our final guest, we caught up with West Kelowna Warriors forward Marcus Joggin. Joggin was just named the BCHL Player of the Week after leading all scorers last week with 10 points in four games. All 10 of those points actually came in the last three games as he finished the season absolutely on fire. With his big performance last week, Joggin ended up finishing first in the team in scoring. He ended up with 23 points in 15 games, which tied him for 14th overall in the league. This was Joggin's first year in the BCHL and dealing with a pandemic in a shortened season made it quite the unique year. So we talked to him about that. We also cover his plans for next year and his commitment to Sacred Heart University. All right, Marcus, you were just named the BCHL Player of the Week. You had 10 points in your last three games to finish the season. Um, what what was working so well for you? How were you able to finish the year so strong? Yeah, obviously, um, I was lined up with Tyler Kristall there, and I think uh, we have pretty good chemistry. So between the two of us, I was able to uh, feed him the puck, and he was able to put it in the back of the net. Yeah. Uh, were you playing with uh, Tyler Crystal for most of the season? How, how did you guys get to develop such a good chemistry? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, most of the season we weren't playing together, but uh coach put us together for the back half of the season there. Um, we're, we're best buddies. We live together. And uh, I think that's just where our chemistry comes from. What do you think it is about your game and his game that, that meshes so well? I know you, um, we'll get into this in a little bit, but I know you're, you're a big assist guy this year. So what, what do you think it it is about uh, both your games that is so uh, good together? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Tyler can really score. He's really good and tight and tight to the net and he can get the puck up quick. So uh, I just try to get it into his hands around the net and he's uh, usually able to bury. Yeah, so like I mentioned, you finished tied for six in the league, uh, six uh, in the league with seventeen assists. Uh, what what do you think makes you such a good playmaker? Like, what is it about your skill set that allows you to set up players so well? Yeah, I think I uh, I like to think I see the ice very well, so I think I have great vision, and uh, I like to I like to watch a lot of NHL players that kind of kind of play like me, or I play like them. Um, Guys like Sebastian Ajo, Mitch Marner, uh, Matt Barzell, just creative guys who like to get the puck to their teammates. So those are all uh, the players you mentioned. They're all fairly small guys. I know you're you're not necessarily a super small guy, but um, is that something that that uh, you kind of model yourself after? Is is a, kind of the model of a smaller player? 
Yeah, I've uh, I've always been an undersized undersized kid growing up, so I had to uh, had to work on other things. Obviously, guys were able to uh, out muscle me on the puck, so I had to get creative, use my skating and my uh, playmaking ability to be successful. So we we just wrapped up the end of the pod season, and it's been a crazy year for for everyone, but for for BCHL players as well. So looking back on this year, starting with the extended training camp model that we had back in the fall, uh, moving into the the four month layoff, and then finishing with the pod season, what's the experience of this year been like for you? Yeah, it's obviously obviously been a, a crazy first year of junior for me uh, coming in. We we didn't know what to expect and. Uh, we had the Okanagan cup there. And then, uh, in November we found out we weren't going to be playing for a bit. So we just, uh, stayed tight here in Kelowna and trained and, uh, hope for the best. And once we got that news, we were going to have, uh, this pod season, we were all super fired up for it. And, uh, I think it went really well. And, uh, the BCHL did a great job from all accounts and talking to members of the warriors organization um they they all say that you've improved a lot from the okanagan cup to now um is that something that maybe you could credit for that long layoff and all the practice time like how were you able to to get to where you are now and maybe what are some things that you worked on during that downtime maybe the biggest thing coming into uh into junior was getting getting stronger and faster and i think um that four month layoff, I was able to really hit the weights and become more powerful. So I think, uh, I could dominate, uh, I could dominate games that time, uh, with my skill, but also, uh, getting a lot stronger and quicker, uh, helped me out a lot. You mentioned your living situation, uh, with Tyler crystal. Uh, and I know I spoke with Tyson Jognoth a couple of weeks ago about the house that, that you guys all live in. So maybe, uh, from your perspective, tell us about the, the packed house that you guys are in, who's all there and what it's been like, like for you living there. Yeah. Um, uh, me, Tyler crystal, uh, Tyson Jognoth and Damon Jognoth all live at, uh, Tyson's house. Um, Damon Tyson's cousin. So, uh, their family opened up uh, their arms to us. And uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's 10 people in this house. They Tyson's got four other siblings and uh, obviously uh, three billets here. So it's, it's super fun, a little chaotic at times, but we, uh, we all love it here. And uh, we're super thankful for the jug knobs. You must go through a lot of food in that house. I would imagine. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of trips to Costco for Miss Jugnoff for sure. Uh, uh, so I want to go back a little bit and ask you about your time at, uh, New Hampton school. You spent the previous two seasons there, uh, and especially last year, that was a, a bit of a breakout for you. You, you led the team in scoring. You had actually, um, near the top in all of prep school with 79 points in 35 games. Uh, what did that last season especially do for your confidence? Yeah, obviously, uh, my two years at New Hampton were great. Um, my first year I played well, I I put up around 40 points and then, um, going into my second year, I just, uh, I just committed to sacred heart right before that second year started. And I, uh, I think that put a little weight off my chest, just, uh, having that scholarship. And I thought I could just settle down and play my game instead of trying to, uh, and trying to impress people or something, you know? So I think just, uh, just uh, being confident and uh, playing with a little bit of swagger helped me out a lot. Yeah. Spe- speaking of sacred heart, that's where you're committed to uh, for next year. So um, have you made a decision? I know you have uh, eligibility left for junior hockey. Have you made a decision on next year and, and where you plan to play? Yeah. I'm, 
talking to the staff a lot at Sacred Heart and they, they pretty much, uh, pretty much left it up to me to decide if I'm going to go in next year or come back. And I think, uh, I think for my development, getting a full season of junior, uh, a full 54 game season will really help me out so that once I get to Sacred Heart, I'll be, uh, I won't just be ready, but I'll be ready to come in and make an impact at the college level. So, uh, I think I'm going to come back to come back to the Warriors next year and we should have a, an awesome team here so we can go for a run. Yeah. What excites you about the team looking ahead to next year? I know you have some, some good young players that are coming up and, and I guess you'll be a, a veteran next year as well. So what, what, what is it about the team next year that has you so excited? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Just, uh, we've got a lot of returning guys coming back. We're going to be, we're going to be a fairly older team in the league, I think. Um, and also our young guys, like obviously uh, Tyson Jugnoth, who's a 16 year old this year. He's, an unbelievable defenseman and then we got uh we got some good recruits coming in as well so i think uh with the older veteran presence and and some of the young guys going to be a little older next year i think we're going to be a really good team so i understand your plan is to stay in bc for the off season and i know a part of that likely has to do with uh the the lockdowns in in ontario right now but i I know the season just ended and you probably want to take a bit of a break but what will your off season look like as you prepare for next year and um will anything change with the fact that you're going to stay in bc what what does that look like for you yeah obviously with uh ontario being pretty locked down right now uh there's limited access to ice and to the gym so uh, i'm gonna actually stay in vancouver with uh tyler crystal and his family and we're just gonna we're going to take a couple of weeks off here from hockey, but, uh, start in June, we're going to get right back into it with skating and, uh, working out often. So I think it's just, uh, so the best decision for me to stay out here and just keep working at my game and trying to get better. So we talked about sacred heart and your commitment there, and it sounds like you have a pretty good relationship with them and they're, they're flexible. Um, whether you, you come next year or you stay in junior. So what was it about that school when you were making that decision? What was it about them that seemed like the best fit for you? Yeah, I just, uh, I really connected with the staff. Scott McDougall did a, a great job recruiting me. He's an awesome guy. And, uh, there's a lot of good things going on at Sacred Heart. The new rink's being built right now, and that was really attractive to me. And uh, the program just headed in the right direction right now. And I think uh, in years to come, it's gonna it's gonna be a more known program than than it maybe is now. And last question for you: with with that one last year of junior eligibility left, uh, what do you need to do uh, yourself personally to make sure you're ready to make that transition to college when the time comes to make the jump? Yeah, obviously, uh, the college game's a lot older than junior. So just being, uh, being fast and being really strong, there's, there's going to be 24 year olds in college. So, uh, they're, they're full grown men. So you just gotta be, uh, just gotta be really strong and quick. And, um, I think coming back for another year and being a leader on this team, I could, uh, I could really, uh, develop my leadership skills and just keep becoming a better player. All right, Marcus. Well, congrats on the Player of the Week award. Um, Best of luck this summer and looking forward to seeing you again next year. Thank you. Thanks a lot to Marcus Joggin for the time. That does it for another episode of the BCHL podcast. Another thank you to all of my guests, Marcus Joggin, who you just heard from, Victoria Grizzlies coach Craig Didman and BCHL executive director Stephen Cocker. Another thank you to Sheldon Lee, who provided the interview with Didman. 
You'll get to hear Sheldon for one more week as he's still with the BCHL until then. You can also check out the BCHL website for a few feature stories that he's written. And as usual, another thank you to our producer, Greg Ballack, for putting this podcast together. And last but not least, thank you to our presenting sponsor of the BCHL podcast, which is Fortis BC. Uh, just a quick programming note before we go. Uh, just because it's the off-season coming up doesn't mean that the BCHL podcast is going anywhere. Uh, the one thing that will change, though, is we likely won't be doing it once a week through the summer months. Uh, plans are to do it at least a couple times a month to keep uh, our listeners entertained. We'll still have some great interviews for you throughout the off-season, uh, so be sure to keep checking back for brand new episodes. That being said, next week we will be back again. Um, we are announcing our pod awards next week, so we'll have a recap of that and some interviews with some of the winners, so uh, you can look forward to that. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and thank you for your support over this crazy season that we just got through. I know everyone at the league office and, and everyone at the team level, for that matter, is very appreciative of our fans who stuck with us, so thanks again for your continued support. All right, everyone, we will catch up with you again next week to recap some pod award winners. Talk to you then. Bye.